Yeah, but no, not this Intel guy, because they they said, hey, Lenny, we need you to save America. And, and you know, me being the patriot that I am, <laughs> I said, of course. Hell yeah. With that, man, yeah. we could just fucking get started now. Let's do it. <laughs> All right. Welcome, everybody, to the Ville House Podcast. I'm your host, Cruz Robbie Villanueva, alongside my beautiful co-host, who's now on the camera. Hello. Holly Nicole Villanueva. What's up, babes? Hi. And then join us today is a spectacular, magnificent, fucking badass haircut, Leonard Lenny Tillman. I said Leonard. Oh, uh, thank you, thank you. Uh, hi. Hi. <laughs> hi, hi. Don't get shy now, motherfucker. You, you forgot when you introduced me to say that I was your hero. Oh, oh, my hero. <laughs> yeah, Lenny Tillman. They, I wouldn't put those words in your mouth, though. <laughs> no, never. <laughs> ever <laughs> you motherfucker all right so we've just spent like the past 15 minutes getting reacquainted man we haven't spoken in a while like we've had our our little small conversations here and there on facebook and shit but like to have an actual conversation we have haven't had one since like 2015 i want to say 2016 somewhere around there yeah yeah it's definitely been a while since our days back in uh lackland back in um yeah <laughs> felt <on>. like it fucking <laughs> lackland man lock it in yeah uh definitely uh been some time since uh we sat down and had a conversation uh we used to kick it all the time hell yeah i remember going to your house and drinking some Michelob ultras and uh after know, a crossfit workout <laughs> yep yep of course fuck yeah we uh, get our wad in and then drink some uh Michelobes. drink some and it, i wasn't a drinker back then nor am i still a, a drinker you know but I remember getting sick in your bathroom and you bringing me crackers and water in your underwear. <laughs> I forgot about that. I remember that. <laughs> yeah. I just yeah. remember waking up and be like, why is there a trail of crackers all the way upstairs? Oh, because <laughs> I, I woke up in the middle of the night to get some water and then I just hear, <laughs> <laughs> and it was coming from upstairs and I was like, well, shit, Tillman's up there. So I went to go check and you're just like slouched over the toilet. <laughs> you're like, I'm yeah. good. I'm good. <laughs> Uh, I was, yeah, I was, I was good after that. It was those thighs, man. Like those thighs in that underwear. <laughs> oh, yeah. Hey, it was in yeah. the middle of the night. I woke up, man. I'm not going to get dressed yeah. for you, bro. So I couldn't believe you pitched a tent in there too. Yeah, you know impressed. how it goes, man. Well, you know, when you're hurling like that, bro. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> it was me and my whitey tidies yeah. bringing you crackers yeah. and water. Yeah, that's love you know, right there. <laughs> that's love, bitch. That's a, yeah, I remember some wild nights that we used to have some fun together. Yeah, we had a good time, man, for sure. It was yeah. awesome. I we used to play. Uh, what was that card game? Um, Circle of Death. Yeah, I used to always lose. <laughs> always, everybody I, loses in that game or wins. However, no, you see it. no, I feel like I would lose more. No, <laughs> we would play something else. Hollywood's really good at one of those games. Hilo, um, maybe? Uh, no, it wasn't a drinking game. We had game. to write something. Yeah, it wasn't a drinking game. We'd have to write something. And she always got technical and beat us. And it was like, oh, I'm not smart enough for this game. <laughs> Spades? Yeah. No, it was like a board game. No. Yeah, it was a board game. Oh, I know uh, which one you're talking about. Um, Quelf. 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 Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and you I had to do all the stupid Queef. shit. It's like hiding under Queef. the table and... Uh, <laughs> Yeah. yeah, I wasn't good at it. I, I whatever. <laughs> <laughs> he said I yeah. would lose more. <laughs> Bring back bad memories, man. 
Game <laughs> is stupid. Those were some, yeah, those were some bad times when you guys uh, knew me back then. Like, you know, things were not happy in the Tillman household. Oh, yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah. we still had a good time. <laughs> yeah, we did. We did, you know. Yeah, we but used I'm to grill out person. a lot. Yeah. Um, you know what? I really miss those uh, little riblets that we used to get. Hell from the, yeah, uh, man. The kids talk about them. Short ribs? Yeah. The, the yeah. marinated short ribs from uh, from the Mexican store right down the road. Yeah. On Marbach. <sighs> yeah. Yeah. Those, so good. I miss them, though. <laughs> uh, yeah. I I miss San Antonio. So uh, when I do retire, I, San Antonio is going to be home, so. Oh, really? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's going to be home. Oh, man. So we've gone back there a lot since we moved back to Texas. And uh, originally, that was one of our <clears throat> spots. Or actually, it was these spots. Like, when we retired, we're just going to go back to San Antonio. And every time we went back, man, it was just like a little bit more. It was like, I don't want to be here no more. Like, no, I don't want to come back. <laughs> and then it's like every time we go in there, it just gets worse and worse. Like, yep, definitely not coming back. It's like with the traffic and all the nonsense that's going on over there. It's like, oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. When's the last time you've been back? So I went back to get this nice tattoo that you uh, complimented me on earlier. Uh, I went back uh, March. It was in March. Okay. So you've been there recently. Yeah. uh, But I only went to my artist and that was it. Oh, and he's. So I didn't really go. Yeah. I didn't really go anywhere. I just went and got the tattoo and then went back to Corpus that night. Oh, yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's freaking expanding quickly, man, and just like the area where we used to live, um, mm-hmm. it's just super crowded, man. Like back yeah, back yeah. in the Nuts. day, there was plenty of room, there weren't that many people, and now you can barely drive down that road because everybody's just on top of each other. Yeah, um, I know if I do like, so if I move back, I want to move further out on the west side. Um, but it's it's all it all depends on what I can afford, you know. I'm poor. Oh, get out of here! <laughs> yeah, right. You balling over there. Look, I, mean, I, I see that I'm, coffee mug with a pen, and it's just a display. Yeah, it's it, you know I got the fern set up. You know <laughs> the fake fern. It's clean it's though. It's clean. Yeah, it's plastic, but we keep it clean. <laughs> yeah. No, no. Uh, but really, uh. I do want to move out there. You know, I know there's, there's, it comes with pros and cons. Yeah. Uh, traffic is definitely one of those cons, but after living in Tampa, um, for the past three years before I got here, um, it, it was way worse. So I think we could deal with San Antonio Yeah. and, and also, you know, my wife, she's from Corpus, um, and I'm from Colleen, which is two hours north of there. So San Antonio is pretty much the center between my family and her family. So hmm. it's a good spot. I thought she was from Dallas. No, no, no. She, I think she lived in Dallas a little bit before uh, she joined. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, she's sense. got family. Uh, her family's in Corpus. You're just missing ATV. Don't much- you don't have to lie. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> uh you know, but uh, I love her family. I probably love her family more than I love mine. Um, you know, all seri- seriousness, um, they're awesome. Uh, her dad's a police officer, and then her mom's a teacher. And they love the kids. They they took us in, um, you know, and treated us like, like we're their own. So, you know, I love them. That's all right, awesome, man. of the gushies. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Get your Kleenex. Yeah, get them, get them. 
Yeah, but uh, like we were discussing some of those talking points, um, I wrote down some uh, some stuff, and it was uh, strength through challenge. Strength through. Oh, you right? titled it. So you're one of the few people that has come to the podcast prepared, man, like with notes and talking points and whatnot. Says a lot about you. I was. So before we get into that, I just wanted to be better than Josh. <laughs> And for those of you, uh, you that know, don't know uh, what we're talking about, that's uh, episode two. All right. And we were titled something different then. It was Tell Me Something Podcast. Now it's Ville House Podcast. But he was our first guest. And it, it was just, it went from there, man. It, he but was badass. he did multiple ones, right? So. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He did uh, our second episode. And I think it was number five that we something did. Like, yeah. 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 The early ones. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, he was an awesome guest, man. So you're going to top him yeah. is what you're saying. You know, so uh, <laughs> it's funny. It's it's funny the way we linked up, right? So um, I must have mistakenly hit an AMS button when I'm looking for a, a position out of um, out of Tampa. And then you hit me up and you were you like, You can't hey. mistakenly hit an AMS button. You got to click continue like five times. You were just hitting all of them, weren't you? <laughs> Oh, I was. You know, I I loved my time in Centcom, um, but I did not like the bureaucracy. Or am I saying that right? No, Holly, just correct. Say that one more time. Bureaucracy. Uh, the bureaucracy. That's one of those bureaucracy. <laughs> yeah. yeah, there we go. Uh, I see why you don't like yeah, it. Yeah, the bureaucracy. <laughs> I didn't like. I didn't like that. That a uh, political <laughs> aspect. The politics, Holly's man. Correct form of bureaucracy. <laughs> I didn't like the politics behind <laughs> CENTCOM. It was too hot. It was too top heavy. Mm. Um, you know, everybody, you know, all chiefs, no Indians, you know, and, and I really didn't like that. But I loved my job and I loved what I was doing there. Um, but it was time to leave. And, and then, you know, I was constantly checking AMS for a position out of there because I didn't want to be at the whim of the Air Force to just put me on a, a mandatory mover list and send me wherever. So if there's control there, you know, definitely I'd, I'd like to take advantage of that. Um, so I must have hit the button for the uh, the unit I'm in now. And you strangely hit me up and was like, hey, uh, you know, somebody reached out to me and was wondering if you were interested for this position, give him a call. So I did. I gave him a call and, you know, he was telling me about himself and he told me, yeah, I used to be an ICBM missile maintainer. And I was like really like so was i you know and then he's telling me about you know well you know i was a uh i was a um so there's two subgroups right there's one group that deals with the actual um warhead and the missile guidance system and then there's the junior varsity which <laughs> what he was uh and they deal with only putting in the missile down stages uh, but they can't do that without the, the varsity team. They have to have us support it. And he told me that he was the one that flipped that, that transport director, which is funny because I remember that. I wasn't at the same base as him, but there's only three missile bases. And when something bad happens at one, something bad happens at them all. So uh, I definitely remember that. And... Uh, he definitely changed the game, so I definitely laugh at him and say, ha, 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 <laughs> you know, but, uh, you know, it's, it's funny, but it's also great because there's a lot of great people in that career field, and I'm glad he made it out because he's much more useful in, in the area that he's in now, and, and props to him for becoming an officer because that's something I could never do. 
But so like, funny story thing- about that when <laughs> when he called Cruz and was like, "Hey, um, well, I think he messaged you, didn't you? Yeah. He was like, "Hey, uh, this guy, um, I saw that y'all were friends on Facebook, and I'm like, look." You need to call him and tell him, like, hey, I'm about to vouch for you, so don't fuck this up. <laughs> and he's like, that's probably a smart decision. I was like, you don't want to stick your name out for someone and then them have, like, a bunch of drama going on in the background you don't know about. So that's when he reached out to you yeah. and was like, hey, I'm going to tell him that you're good people, so don't mess this up for all of us. It's funny. You didn't say that at all. What you had said to me was, hey, you're my hero, and there would be nothing. <laughs> nothing greater that I could do for you but to vouch for you. Uh, yeah, yeah I, I think was, that's how I know, worded it, now that I remember. Yeah, <laughs> no, but uh, in reality, I'm definitely humbled. And, um, you know, going back to Hobbs, you know, he definitely told the story, and, and it kind of related to that strength through challenge, right? Uh, how he was talking about the colonel that he had, yeah. uh, said he'll never be a officer in his, you know, United States Air Force. And it was like, ha, you were wrong, you know? Uh, but, you know, I've had my own personal uh, challenges, as we all have. And, uh, you know, I, I know you guys were kind of there in the unit when I was going through it. But uh, and we were talking about it before. But, you know, in 2014, uh, when I deployed, you know, I was in a really ugly marriage, um, very, very bad and toxic. Um, and you guys knew her. And you guys can attest to that. But, you know. Uh, one thing led to another and while I was deployed, drugs became, you know, an influence on her life. And, uh, it challenged me to step up not only as, as a father, but as a, as an airman to, you know, have to go above and beyond and and be a single parent while also serving. And, you know, I had a supervisor at the time who, um, one, I was dealing with some mental things. Like I was, I was in a bad place. I was, I was in a dark place, you know? And I got back and I had no house, no car, no money, you know, and uh, I didn't know what to do. And, you know, I was struggling. And I I remember somebody took me in, uh, one of my older friends, uh, she took me in and let me stay with her for a couple of nights. And I woke up late, you know, and I got to work probably about 30 minutes late. And, um, you know, I was asked where I had been. And, you know, I just said, you know, I'm sorry I was late. You know, I, I slept in. And... You know, I also talked about, you know, my mental situation, how I needed to go see some counseling. And, you know, one thing led to another. And, and I was I received paperwork for going to, you know, the MFLAC instead of mental health. And I, I was not happy about that. I was in a dark place. And, uh, you know, when I'm receiving my paperwork, um, I lost it. I I remember when Holly was talking about this, too, and and the last her 14 year anniversary show um you know she talked about when she received paperwork and she had to have you know that mentor that talked her down so she didn't lose it and at that time i i didn't have that you know i didn't know who i could trust i didn't know who to talk to and i kind of self-isolated because one i was ashamed of what i was going through um and that i allowed somebody else to get me to the position where I was depressed, you know, it was that manly macho pride that I had that, you know, I was, I was ashamed of. And, you know, when I got this paperwork, I was like, are you serious? You know, I'm going through mental problems, you know, I'm dealing with stuff, you know what I'm going through and you're writing me paperwork. And, uh, I said that and she, she shushed me, you know, my supervisor at the time, she shushed me and, and something in me snapped and, and I lost it. So, 
you know, I let my mouth run. And then uh, I did my rebuttal three days later, uh, you know, and <clears throat> she shushed me again uh, during the reading of that. So um, at that time, you know, I was shushed twice and I completely lost it. And, you did know, she I really started, go like, Shh. well, no, it was, you need to shut up. It's my turn to talk. Oh <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. And that's a hard one. And a finger was pushed in my face and, you know, I am a hothead, you know, I'm five, five and uh, <laughs> built full of testosterone <laughs> and it, yeah, I lost it, you know, and I started saying things that, really was insubordinate and then i deserved a follow-on uh paperwork and then i in, i ended up losing a line number for tech over that uh which i totally take ex uh, responsibility for because i should have controlled me because that's all i can do right you know um but i'm glad i'm glad i went through that uh, because it was a challenge because i had a reputation um and I felt like I acted outside of my character. So I needed to prove myself that I wasn't this bad moment. And that was my challenge to, to really prove that, you know, to, to everybody around me that, you know, this was just a, a snap in time and not who I am. Um, so I worked hard. Like, I think that really like lit a fire under me to actually, you know, push myself further than what I was already doing. You know, I was just going through the motions with my career and I, I always knew I wanted to serve um, and do 20 years because, you know, I come from, you know, a very poor beginnings. You know, I didn't have much the military saved my life. And I, I, I joined with the intent of retiring and, you know, going through the motions, I knew that I was, I was better than what I was going through. And I wanted to prove that to everybody. And, and then I started just grinding grinding really hard and uh it paid off you know it, it didn't always work out but i definitely think i impressed you know those around me to bounce back um but yeah that's that was kind of like my strength through challenge and and you know it led to so many more things that made me actually happy you know because back then i i really wasn't um but yeah you know that was pretty much my strength through challenge story you know that we all have yeah <clears throat> that's uh that's extremely difficult to go through man and uh even back then we were still barely getting through the whole mental health piece and how it affects airmen and and the military in general um i know we're a lot better about it now but it's still it's still an issue and everybody's still trying to get on board with that um <clears throat> but the whole marriage thing uh i went through something similar so i know exactly what you're talking about um, and that's not easy to go through. And, uh, you know, it's simple for people just to, like, say, fuck it and just uh, sink further, start feeling sorry for themselves and just, like, bitch at everybody, complain about everything, be like, hey, feel sorry for me and just help me. And so, But you put in the work, man. Like, that's one thing that people can control is, like, your attitude and what you do about it. And you did, like, the perfect thing, man. Just get back on the grind and start working towards it. Although it's not immediately where you see the results but over time it pays mm -hmm. off and you just got to take it a step at a time continue to work um so you lost the promotion <laughs> uh you lost the promotion but uh you started grinding and you came back and now you have your you have a line number or did you already put on uh no i'm um, 2739 
Yeah. So yeah, now you have a line fun. number for another prom- promotion. So you're two, two yeah. ranks ahead of uh, where you were at whenever that happened. Woo, woo. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Two, two uh, promotions ahead, you know, um, went from staff to now having a line from master. Uh, it was, it was a challenge. Uh, the funny thing is, is, you know, you can see uh, through your air force paperwork, you know, um, you can see back and especially with your medals, I get questions still. Uh, why don't you have a medal leaving this unit? So, uh, you know, every time it comes to a new a new command that I go to, yeah, I get that question. Why do you not have a medal? For that this happens unit? with her and too because to... she didn't, she didn't get one either. Yeah, yeah. So, and, like, I'll talk about that a little bit. So, if you listen to my 14 year anniversary, you'll talk about what Lenny was just talking about when I got paperwork for essentially being the supervisor, and just that squadron at the time. Um, I really dislike the phrase toxic leadership because I think it's too widely used now. I don't think it's appropriately used or um, I think people just don't like their leadership and they're like, oh, they're toxic, right? And that's not the case. But in that unit, we did have very toxic leaders, like our entire leadership team wasn't toxic, but there were very toxic leaders in that unit. And so um, at the time, like I've already squashed this with the person, so I'll like talk about it, but um, I was supervising a young airman and she was just continuously lying about a lot of things. Um, I ended up giving her paperwork because, you know, she lied continuously about this outstanding appointment that she had every day. And then come to find out she never was at this appointment. She was just like taking a fucking nap every day, which is fine. Like, do you, right? But I gave her paperwork and in the middle of me administering her that paperwork, which as you guys know, if you're in the military, um, it's not an admission of guilt. It's just me telling you, I'm counseling you for this incident and you can write a rebuttal to it. Like give me your side of the story. Um, and she stood up in the middle and she's like, no, I'm leaving. And I was like, mm, but you're not. So sit down and just let me finish reading this. And then you're going to sign it. Like that's the end of it. Um, and I wasn't like disrespectful or rude, but ended up getting paperwork because she did. Um, and it was really difficult for me because my supervisor at the time was the superintendent of the squadron. So he was a chief, which is the highest enlisted rank you can get. And so one, him being a chief and two, um, me just having someone to ground me because like, I'm pretty sure a lot of you guys know me on a personal level who listen to the podcast. Like, I'm not a sit and let someone tell me some bullshit type of person. Like I'm going to really rapidly tell you my thoughts. Um, So I really struggled to sit there and like let him berate me and tell me like I was a bad supervisor and that um, like I wasn't going to progress in the Air Force. Right. Um, So that I think it was just a leadership as a whole. But I go through the same thing every single time I PCS because I didn't get a medal out there either. And as an NCO leaving a base without a medal, um, like granted, maybe you shouldn't get one. But at the time, nobody was leaving that unit with medals because the chief was like, unless you did something that stands out among everybody in the squadron, you're not getting a medal. Um, But yeah, I struggle still with it. Yeah, leaving a base, not getting a medal looks really bad for, I mean, even airmen. But so you can like assume something happened because you didn't get a medal. So that's like the the quick assumption that anybody uh, makes. It's like, oh, yeah. you didn't get a medal at your last base? Uh, like, what'd you do wrong? How'd you fuck up? And that's not always the yeah, case. Yeah, yeah, my- yeah that, that unit that unit taught, taught me a lot yes. um, of what not to be. 
um, and definitely showed me a better way of taking care of those around me. Uh, because, you know, that place, I, I really think it could have been a, a better place had the right leadership been in power or in, in, in the positions where they should have been. Uh, but, you know, at the end of the day, I think everybody learned something from that unit. And it was probably how not to treat others. Um, yes. because it, it was, it was, it, and, and like Holly said, it, it's, it was toxic in there and it was felt throughout all the NCOs and all the airmen. And it seemed like nobody was ever happy there. But I mean, it's a small air force, right? So the people that I worked with there, um, I got a taste of the NCOs that I didn't want to be like, or NCOs that, um, maybe I didn't like them as a person, but I liked a quality they had, or, you know, it just kind of like shaped who I am as an NCO today. But I mean, now I work with some of the people who I worked with at that unit. Um, and it doesn't matter what they do now. And this sounds bad. Like y'all can judge me. I don't care. But it doesn't matter what they do today because what they did to me when I was a junior NCO, like trying to learn how to lead, um, I'll never respect them no matter what rank they put on because of the way they treated me when I was trying to learn how to be a staff sergeant. Um, so there are people in my unit now and they may be doing great things, but I don't care because I have zero respect for them as a person or an NCO. Um, I will respect, I'll respect, <laughs> I will respect the rank that they wear on their uniform, but I'm not respecting them as a person. Yeah. Uh, my last DPR out of there, I had to fight for a promote. Um, I, so this was when I started dating my wife, uh, who was also at the unit during, at, she was at the reserve unit tied to there. And um, I, I guess they saw that as um, a unprofessional relationship, uh, which doesn't make sense to me. Because well, you were I wasn't a staff and she was an airman. Yes. Uh, <laughs> it, was a, it was a bad look. Now, I'll give you that. But I didn't see anything wrong. It was a bad wrong. look. And I... I admit that, um, and, you know, essentially, you know, I felt like towards the end there, I had a target on my back. No matter what I did, um, it was not good enough, um, and I was constantly in trouble. There was a rumor mill was going around. Uh, the shirt was receiving anonymous emails from somebody who uh, I think was jealous because of I was dating my wife, um, So, and I'm pretty sure I know. Yeah, I, mean, I ain't putting all y'all's business out there, but... There was a lot of things happening behind the scenes that was like just throwing, no matter what you guys did, no matter how you were trying to do it right, there was just too much happening in the backside for like, mm -hmm. even if you did step by step out in the public, like I'm doing this and then this and then this, y'all never would have got through without the relentless just yeah. nonsense going on in y'all's lives. But look at you now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And we're happy, you know, uh, strength through challenge, Yeah, you know, we have a healthy marriage and that's, that's all I could be happy about, you know, but I remember I told my supervisor when we started dating and it was, he was like, okay with it. Uh, he was like, you know, she's not in your, your chain of command. You have no leadership over her. She's not even in our unit, you know? So I thought I was good. I, you know, I was upfront about it. Uh, and then I got a new supervisor who had just came into the unit and he sits down to do initial feedback and I'll never forget this. And um, he sits me down and literally we go into a conference room by ourselves to go do feedback and we sit down for one minute and he's saying, you know, I heard a lot about you oh, um, and um, I hear that you're um, president of the booster club. 
and that you're kind of running it the way you want to run it and not allowing other opinions. Um, but I'm glad you're leading in a, in some sort of capacity. So just keep doing what you're doing. And was like, do you have any questions? Literally the extent of my feedback. Um, so I felt that it wasn't going right. And I knew uh, not to say anything because of what I learned before. So as soon as I got done with that, I went straight to the shirt's office. I said to the shirt, I said, shirt, I just received my initial feedback. And I'm requesting additional feedback because that was not feedback. And I don't like what happened. Can I get a mediator to sit in and do initial feedback with us? And Sheriff was like, go talk to the chief. It was uh, Chief Harris, retired now, uh, awesome guy. Uh, uh, you know, he really helped me out. And uh, I went to talk to him and I, you know, I told him what was going on. And, and I never got that feedback. I never got feedback. Uh, they never followed up and gave me any feedback and they had 60 days and I was out of the unit like probably like uh, I want to say I was out of the unit within like 45 days of that happening and they send me an EPR and it has not ready to promote on it and I said no 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 um, and I requested a sit down with all the the leadership of that office and uh, the commander oh. to discuss what was going on and ended up changing that to a promote which i was happy about you know i felt like i deserved more but i was i was happy to get the promote rather than uh, not ready to promote because that would have that would have killed me and yeah. uh yeah it was it was bad it was no matter what i did in that unit after um my initial you know mess up uh it was i had a target on my back and i, I couldn't get out from under it uh but i kept pushing you know i was leading i was doing my job as best as i could and i was trying to maintain a positive attitude as much as I could, even though I was going through, you know, a divorce, uh, maintaining custody of my kids and terminating custody. And, you know, it was, it was a lot I was going through and I was trying to keep that separate and do my job as best as possible. And I think I did the best I really could. Uh, could I have been better? Yeah. Uh, but you know what I had, I, I did the best with. I think that just like not focusing on everything, but, um, your EPR specifically, it's, it's so hard in today's Air Force for people to feel empowered enough to stand up and say, like, no, I'm not going to accept that rating. Um, and that happened to me in, like, the recent past, right? Um, it actually happened the year I made tech sergeant. Um, I was getting marked down in leadership or followership or some nonsense. Not, like, marked down on my EPR overall, but just, like, marked down in a certain section but when I'm trying to go up for senior NCO, I don't want them to show me like being a bad leader. Um, and so I'm finding it. I'm like, no, I'm not going to accept that. And it ended up me being in the chief's office and saying, okay, well, I need a copy of the signed feedback that they're saying I received that told me this. Because from my records, I haven't had a feedback in a year and a half. So unless you can provide mm -hmm. me feedback, because I can provide you six different emails where I requested feedback and never received it. And then they were like, oh, shit, like, she's right. Go ahead and mark that back up. But today, like, people are so scared to stand up and ask those questions. But obviously, I'm not one of those people. Um, and it's hard for me. I try to empower people like, hey, like, and I hate it so much that it's still, this was a phrase when I was an airman, and it's still relevant today. But, like, nobody's looking out for your career except you. So if you're not willing to stand up and uh, fight for your own true. career, then you're just going to get what people give you. 
Yeah. Yeah. And uh, actually that part where I brought up the, I requested additional feedback because that wasn't feedback. I think that's what saved me. Uh, Cause at that moment, uh, the new chief had leaned into the commander. I don't know what was said, but you know, the commander did not look happy about it, you know? Um, and I think that is what saved me because I, I knew what they were going to say about me. I knew how they were going to, you know, say that I was conducting myself unprofessionally with the relationship I had with my wife. Um, and, you know, the, the shirt even at the time was like, we could have wrote you an Article 15. And I said, shirt, you know, if that's if that was legitimate and, and what you guys felt you should have, you know, you should have given me an Article 15. And and if, if it was that wrong, you know, but you guys didn't because it wasn't wrong. And, you know, that squadron had too it, much drama it, going on then. There was, whew. It's, amen. It was a mess. That shirt was not even yeah. a little bit. You were not even on their radar with all the shit they had going on with the airmen in that squadron. Yeah. Um, it, it, and, you know, I always think about one of the airmen, too. Um, you know, I, I really – I she was a good airman. Uh, you know, something happened where she was, you know, intimate with another airman. Um, and some words were said, and she ended up punching that airman in the face for, you know, something. And, you know, I didn't want her to get smeared like like somebody else, you know, like because she was good, you know, and just caught up in a bad situation. And both the airmen involved, you know, I didn't want both of them to, you know, get into a lot of trouble. And, you know, we tried to handle that situation as best as possible. And, and it, I hope it turned out for the best and, and gave them a light of, okay, there is good leadership in our squadron. You know, there was those instances where I felt like I tried to handle situations in that unit the way that I felt somebody else wouldn't. Yeah. It was just, I don't know. Like you said, um, that that unit as a whole, it really um, it shaped who I am as an NCO today. Uh, it, it taught me a lot because I kind of framed who I thought I was as a leader. Um, but even though I hated my job every single day, I hated going to work in that place. Um, I learned how to stand up for myself and I learned how to lead others because, um, and by no means am I trying to sound cocky at all, but I was extremely taken advantage of in that unit just by like means of who I am. I'm always willing to help somebody, even at the expense of my own like self. But I mean, when I was in that unit, I was the RA, I was the unit training manager, I was the WAPS monitor, I was pretty much the exec, and I was working mission full time. And anytime I dropped, the ball on anything, they were on my case all the time. Um, and I never would stand up and say, hey, you know, there was five people doing what you're expecting just me to do before I took this position. Um, and it took a while for me to register that, that sometimes you just have to stand up for yourself. And um, without the experience and the knowledge that that unit gave me, I never would have been able to do that. So I'm I'm thankful one that I didn't make um, rank through that unit because now as a tech sergeant, the experience that I have, like 14 years as a tech sergeant is a long time to be uh, in rank in today's Air Force because you have like these 10 year master sergeants running around. But I tell some of the master sergeants today, you know, like, yes, you may wear master sergeant rank, but you're never going to have the experience I do. So I respect your rank. You're not going to tell me that how to write an EPR, but thank you for your advice. I'll talk to you next week. <laughs>
Um, but it's that unit was a, it was definitely a, a stepping stone to, to where we both are. And you were in that unit many was, moons ago. Yeah, <laughs> so. that it was, uh, <laughs> let's see, five years prior to, or yeah, maybe so. even less than that. But I think like that unit as a whole has shaped kind of all who we are in the Air Force today. <laughs> so. uh, yeah. Yeah, I started off my career in, in that unit, and uh, man, a lot of good and bad experiences. Uh, but I had, uh, I had some good leadership. My supervisors, there was one that I had that, that was really good that that looked after me, uh, and the rest were just trying to like get rid of me. I got in trouble once uh, in, in that unit, and my supervisor no no not my supervisor my flight chief was trying to get rid of me like hey let's try to get this full out of the air force uh but it went to the commander and the first sergeant and they all went to bat for me for whatever reason i don't know i guess i talked to them and they liked what they heard or whatever and they went to bat for me so luckily i stayed in and and the most that came out of that situation which i, I don't know how this happened but it was just an lor so that's uh that's like a slap on the wrist yeah it, so, so to end that unit on a on a good note, um, I will say, um, and I caveat this with, uh, you know, every job in the Air Force is important, um, is it? but nobody cared about that mission. Uh, that mission could be done without human involvement. <laughs> so with that, it's said, almost like the Air Force got rid of the entire career field. That did that job. Uh, yeah, and I was going to say this. I was going to say this, but I didn't know if it – maybe it doesn't ring true. But so I think part of the reason why that unit had so many, like, negative uh, instances or situations was because there wasn't much else to focus on. Or when somebody got in trouble, it would be for the littlest things. Um and they would harp on that so much just because the mission wasn't as uh, as important as people made it out to be, I guess. Um, yeah. So when you don't have a mission that you you don't believe, or when you have a mission that you don't believe in and you don't care about, you don't think it's important or anything like that, you find other shit to do. And a lot of the time that outlet was, uh, it was negative, right? What I did enjoy, so, you know, to give it credit where credit was due, there was times in that unit where we all got to play sports uh, Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Yeah. Uh, so that was that was great. There was some great camaraderie there. Um, and also, you know, we got a lot of time to do volunteer work. And I really wish I knew what I knew now. Uh, we should have been putting those airmen in for, for volunteer service medals. Uh, because we were doing a lot of volunteer work, you know, we were at least doing something once a month and, you know, we could have done more. Um, but, you know, I wish we would have done that back then. Um, but, you know, it's like, I didn't know, I didn't know how, how you could actually do that. And, you know, we had the free time to actually do some fun things. And so to give credit to that unit, because the mission wasn't like number one focus, we did get to do some fun things. So yeah. Yeah, I'm thankful for that too. Yeah. without bashing it too much yeah it's uh it's difficult and it if your leadership in that in that unit it's it's hard i can see how they have they're put in a difficult position just i don't know but i guess you could say that for a bunch of other units because I, I i hear maintenance stories and they're always getting into some shit and 
you know, they work on fucking million dollar aircraft, man. So uh, yeah, or transport nukes around, or you know, <laughs> roll over a truck with a missile in it. Yeah. So I I don't know. Yeah. It's, I guess it's just an airman thing. I don't know. But there was just a you lot know, of shit that happened to that unit. Yeah. Uh, it, the funny thing is, is they made problems out of little things. You know, yeah. they really sweat the small stuff. Um, and not in a good way. And, and yeah, not not in a good way. You know, there's times when you should sweat the small stuff. So that way you don't have to really worry about the big stuff because, you know, when big stuff happens, then, then, you know, yeah. um, but I mean, they were, they picked their favorites and usually they were the wrong person and, you know, it, it, they micromanaged and focused on all the wrong things, um, in my opinion. Um, but it, you know, ultimately, I, I hope they didn't destroy people's careers. And I know there's got to be some people that got in there and were like, I'm not, this is what the Air Force is about. I don't want no part of it. I, I know a lot of those And people. I think that's what's sad. <laughs> yeah. yeah that's, I just, that's the. I remember trying so hard in that unit. And even after, like, the whole thing where I got paperwork for being a supervisor, um, I just remember, you know, I was like, hey, I'm going to come here and I'm going to do my best every day. You know, I'm just going to grind it out until we can leave here. Um, and, like not to compare it to what you were going through because you were going through a lot of shit but you know at the time this one was a ti so he was working 20 hour days i was pregnant with our fourth kid like um it was just it was a struggle for everything we were going through and i remember the moment when i like gave up as a whole on that unit i think you were there we were in like internal training in one of the conference rooms and somebody was briefing and i was like peeling the label off of a water bottle um and it was just like it wasn't making any noise I was just keeping my hands busy because it's fucking hard to stay awake in those briefings sometimes and I remember the LT like stopped it stopped the briefing and stood up and he was like are you fucking done with the bottle and I was like oh my god I was like okay so I sat the bottle down and at that moment I was like there's really nothing you can do right here like you're gonna stop an entire training to yell at me because I'm holding a bottle in my hand. Um, and at that point, it was like, it doesn't matter what I do. I'm never going to, like, outgrow the one mistake that, I, in my opinion, wasn't a mistake. But um, what someone saw as a mistake that I went through in that unit. So, um, but yeah, like, a plus side to that, I think, for for all of us, is we're doing great things in our career today and uh, and leading airmen and being great NCOs, so... Yeah, yeah, and I think I think we're all on on a path that's that's really looking up, uh, and 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 largely I know my story is largely in part because of the battles I went through with that unit. Uh, it was it was tough, it was real tough. Um, but in maintenance, you know, we we had real problems to deal with. You know, they had like DUIs, and the funny thing is, I haven't seen a DUI in a unit since maintenance. Which it's really strange. You no, need to start you know, taking that like, shirt, phone buddy. Dude, we were uh, <laughs> when we were in Vegas, man. When we were stationed there, there was a board uh, at the entrance of the base that we were at, and it said our last times. Or how many days since the last? How many DUI? days since our last DUI? And I don't think I saw that get higher than two weeks. But whoever got the DUI had to do a walk of shame from the security forces building out to that sign every morning and change the dates. 
And so when it got back to zero, it'd be a new person walking out in the mornings to change the numbers. Yeah, and it's like, talking about public humiliation. Yeah. Man. That shit sucks, man. Yeah, I, w- I would take that public humiliation all day if I could keep my career. Yeah. yeah. But, you know, I, I was the same place as you where I was like, I haven't seen, like, DUIs. or Because when I was an airman, underage drinking and DUIs were, like, a weekly thing. Um, yeah. But then I started taking the shirts phone, like, playing first sergeant for the weekend. And I'm like, really? You're going to get hammered and then try to drive through the gate and talk to the gate guard? Like, you got to have at least a little bit of common sense. <laughs> but... um. But yeah, it happens way more often than I think we would like to admit. It's just we don't – it's not so publicized now as it was when we were airmen. Yeah, I, I think the culture is kind of changing too, yeah. uh, you know. And it's weird. It's weird being the old guy now, you know. Like, <laughs> yeah. I don't feel like it. You know, I still got this gorgeous body, you know, chiseled abs. So I definitely – You're, uh, you're my hero. Don't, it, Gosh, I love you. I don't feel like the old guy, and you know my stature. I I don't. I definitely don't feel like the the old guy. Uh, so like when I feel or I hear about like how old these kids are or how long they've been in service or just the lack of experience, I'm like, wow, I'm the old guy. You know? Yeah. Yeah, especially when they tell you. Uh... What, what is it? They, they weren't alive for 9-11. They weren't alive for 9-11 or like they know about it, but they don't remember it. They learned yeah. about it in history class. Yeah. That's the one that gets me. It, what's funny, you guys see it more than because you guys are instructors at the yeah, schoolhouse. Yeah, we, we have so the students yeah. come through. You guys see it. You know, I I feel like that now, you know, at this squadron, but it kind of wasn't like that at CENTCOM. And I think that's why I'm kind of so shocked by it. Because at CENTCOM, I was like the bottom of the totem pole. But you guys didn't have a lot of airmen there, right? None. Yeah, that's why. None. Yeah, I think – Yeah, so I would get involved um, with the base, um, and, you know, I would do, like, uh, professional development and, you know, go and speak to classes. And that was the only interaction I had with airmen. And it was – it was really enlightening, but it was also humbling because I, I really liked it. But then again, I didn't feel like the old guy in the room. Like, uh, you know, I got the chiseled abs, so <laughs> I keep up with these kids. Yeah, so not to get, like, I, too far into it, but with all the stuff happening in Afghanistan right now, we have these airmen, and they, like, will start talking about it and trying to tell me what's going on. And I'm like, no, I've been in that country. Like, I lived there. So you're not going to, as an 18-year-old, going to tell me about what's going on in the world right now. But thank you for your input, and we'll talk again. <laughs> like, um, And it's hard. Yeah. It's hard thank sometimes. Thank you for your service. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's hard sometimes when when you don't – you forget that you're the old person. Like Because that happens to me. People come up, and they'll be like, hey, ma'am. And they'll ask me some like basic question, like, what AFI can I find this in? And I'm like, oh, like why don't you know this? <laughs> um, and then I'm like, oh, it's because I'm the old guy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it you know it at this moment in time, it's really hard to not put your two cents in. You know, it's so much going on on social media, and you know, it, I know it's challenging for me because I, you know, I'm very opinionated, um, and it's very challenging to not, you know, say what I think or, or you know, see something on Facebook and want to react to it. It's like sometimes I have to just remind myself, you know, nobody cares what I say. You know, Swing like nobody on, on social. 
<laughs> yeah, Article 88. They, they, uh, you know what's funny is the White House put out an, uh, a, a letter, uh, DOD-wide, uh, mentioning that article uh, for people to be par- careful about what they say. Yeah. So for those of you who don't know, if you're in the military, I recently posted this on my Facebook. What an Article 88 is, is any commissioned or non-commissioned officer in the United States cannot say disparaging remarks about the president of the United States or any sitting official um, or general. So should you be out there reposting or reblogging things on social media, you are in direct violation of the UCMJ. Throw that out there and then yeah. we'll move on from yeah. that topic. <laughs> there are limitations to your first amendment rights you know you have to be aware of what you say Uh, because when you raise your right hand you know you 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 sign up for some things that are in the ucmj that you know you you need to be reminded of Uh, so regardless of how i feel uh you know the commander-in-chief makes a decision we say yes sir and shut up in color yep absolutely you know but you know if i was asked you know i'd be like hey uh, President Biden, uh, give me my shield. Uh, let me put on my American flag underwear and go save the, the world again. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Captain America. <laughs> you're, you're my hero. <laughs> God, I love you. Yeah. <laughs> hey, wh- what else do you have in your handy-dandy notebook there? What else I got? I, you know, I can't spell. Um, oh, I knew that. I'm surprised you could read the shit. I'm surprised you wrote it. Well, I didn't write it, really. I just drew pictures. Oh, yeah. Okay, (laughs) that makes sense. Service turning point. So I always always ask people, um, what's your legacy? Um, You know. You saw me in my underwear. (laughs) That was a long (laughs) legacy. Uh, so, you know, I, I'm definitely, you know, I feel like I'm going through like a midlife crisis, uh, you know, with my military service. Cause I'm past, you know, I just hit my 15 year mark and I'm at the point where I'm like, what's my new mission and what legacy am I leaving behind? So, you know, I'm going to get out one day, you know, I can't stay in this job forever. You know, everybody's time comes and goes and it's something I'm struggling with to understand one, what's my legacy and two, what's my next mission. So, uh, you know, I, I really, uh, I want to do MTI duty. Um, I have aspirations, but that's, it's going to be kind of difficult because, you know, putting on mass sergeant, you know, it, it's a little bit more challenging to get there. Um, but I think that would help me instill a legacy and, you know, the newest and freshest airmen. Um, so like that's something that I want to do to build my legacy. Right now all I all I have for my legacy is, you know, being your hero. Um <laughs> that's so, all you need, you know, man. That, yeah, I'm interested in in what's your legacy? My legacy, kicking ass and taking names, man. Uh Don't to be honest, man, names. I have I haven't really thought of a a legacy piece like that or maybe I have just not in those terms. Um and just like you were saying, you want to be an MTI. So I, I did it, um, not with the intent of leaving a legacy, but more with uh, I wanted more purpose in my career. So I went to go do that, and uh, or that was at least part of the reason. And you get immediate feedback when you're there. And, and you're tra- exactly what you're talking about and legacy and stuff, that happens. And you'll see it right away. And with every base that I've been to, it's happened because you run into the airmen that, that you trained all the fucking time, right? Um, 
and you see like all the shit that they've become a few have commissioned others are at the rank that i'm at and you know it's just crazy and then they just talk about some of the shit that we went through in basic and you know that you have a hand in that like you laid that foundation um uh for them to progress through their careers um so i think that's already part of my legacy that sounds stuck up but like i think i've already no, 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 i think i've already made an impact on a lot of the airmen that have come through, whether negative or positive, uh, I'd like to focus on the positive piece. Um, and if there's negative ones, I don't know about them because they haven't come up to me or they haven't written me emails or, or sent me messages or anything like that. You know, I've only heard about the positive ones. And that's all I need. So I know at least impacted at least one person. Um, so that that's enough for me. But now with, with the new Stripe... Um, I think I can do, a, I'm hoping I can do a lot more of that, you know, at this time with NCOs as opposed to brand new airmen. And I know a lot of the students that have come through, I've had an impact on them. I don't think as much as I did when I was uh, being an MTI in basic training, but hopefully I have. I mean, there's no wrong answer there. Yeah. It, that's, that's something that I, I really, I look up to you for that, you know, cause it's people never forget their training instructor or their drill instructor, you know, for the, the people who, you know, aren't military. So their drill instructor, you, they never forget that. There's, there's few people in your career that you never forget. Yeah. And that's always one of them. Um, I'm sure everybody can tell stories about their, their training instructor. Yep. And, and I think that, that's kind of like an easy way for me to really think or see that legacy. But I'm sure that I've affected somebody somehow throughout my 15 years and, and no telling who I might affect, you know, moving forward. Um, but I think that, you know, I want to be remembered is, is one of those things that really drives me to keep serving. Um, also, Holly, what's your legacy? Oh my, um, yeah, so I kind of differ from you guys where I don't uh, have any aspirations to ever be a drill instructor or anything like that. Um, I I aspire daily to make an impact on other NCOs. Um, and I think it's just based on how I grew up as a baby NCO um, when I first made staff. And um, so I would say my the legacy I want to leave behind is um, – just turning people away from trying to prove who they are and just letting their actions actions do that. So I think, obviously, this is a very different Air Force than the one we joined 15, 14, 15, 16 years ago, you know. Um, but I think now that NCOs are just making rank way younger and they're trying so hard to be somebody that they're losing track of who they are. Um, and so I... I do go out of my way to mentor these NCOs and try to teach them, you know, it's not, it's not making yourself look good to other people. It's letting other people see that, that who you are is making a difference on them. Um, so that's kind of the legacy I want to leave behind is just not necessarily for airmen, but for the NCOs who are leading those airmen. And obviously right now I'm teaching tech school. So um, I do have an impact on those airmen and, but I try to focus my impact more on the NCOs who are leading those airmen because I don't know if you know this or not, but um, 
so I taught at the one and O course for the first year and a half that we were here. And now I teach at the one and eight course. So at the targeting course, um, I'm the NCO I see over their flight and, and it's just a different perspective, right? It's outside of my career field. That's something I'm not really smart on. They're like, there's really young NCOs who are super smart on their career over me, but their career field's really small and they don't have a lot of leaders who can show them how to be good NCOs. So, um, I try to do that and I think I'm doing a good job. I get good feedback. Um, but but it's different. You just never know. So, um, yeah, I guess that's, that's kind of the legacy I want to leave behind is leading others to be able to lead people effectively. Well, that was definitely better than Robbie's. (laughs) (laughs) My stupid answer. (laughs) No, I just, we've talked about it and, um, I just, I have no aspirations to be a drill instructor, not because I don't think I would do good at it. Like I think I could be a good one if I wanted to be, I just, I have the same opinions as I do on commissioning, right? Um, one, I don't want to go back to the bottom where, where I'm like the one who doesn't know anything um, or who is treated like they don't know anything. And two, I think I can make an impact more on people growing in their careers than people who are joining the military because they couldn't find a job in the civilian world or because everybody in their family was in the military and they didn't want to be, but now they're here. Um I have a hard time trying to help somebody find their purpose rather than showing like, Hey, I'm not going to show you where your purpose is, but I'm going to help you grow in your purpose. Um, and so I, I have a different perspective on that, but, um, yeah, I definitely have no desires to do what you guys want to do. Yeah. I don't think you can show anybody their purpose. Uh, you can just give them advice and and guide them, but uh, eventually everybody's got to find their own purpose. Uh, yeah, I'll add, add something to mine and I don't know why, but, uh, it was recently, I had this memory. So I was an airman at, at that one unit, right? And we had this, uh, the hair, the hail and farewell. So where you welcome all the new people and say bye to all the people that are leaving. And it's just this big ass cookout. And in the middle of that, we had to stand up and say, Hey, what's your name? Where are you from? Like, what are your aspirations? And, uh, me being the dumbass, like, I didn't know what to say. I didn't plan anything. And when I got up and, uh, spoke, the only thing that came out was like, Hey, uh, um, airman cruise being, uh, I'm from El Paso, Texas, whatever. And it's like, um, the only thing I want is just to, to make and leave a good name for myself. And I think that's the most honest answer that I could have given. And I think that's one of the things that drives me today. It's just to have like, you know, yeah, leave a good name for myself. That's, that's, that's actually a really good, you know, uh, answer though. You know, uh, honestly, like if you fundamentally think about it, you, you want to, not soil your good name, uh, which everybody should aspire for that, you know? Yeah. But Holly's answer was still better. I mean, you tried <laughs> Shit. to save it. Damn it. I tried, man. <laughs> Just to All piggyback right, so off of that. Last um, time. Oh, shut up. <laughs> I actually have an alibi. I, I hate the way people use that word. <laughs> it's, uh, Is it like anyways, literally, I, literally? Yeah, literally. you're not gonna be at PT. I'm gonna need an alibi. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm not educated, you know, so I say words that are wrong all the time. So I'm no one to judge. You did just say camaraderie, and it really ground my gears. But I'll let you run with it. Camaraderie. <laughs> camaraderie. That... Are you a commie? Camaraderie. It's just camaraderie. Yeah. Maybe cause... there's no second M. It's because I'm, <laughs> I'm so nervous right now. I'm on a podcast. <laughs> That's what it is. You it's because you're from Colleen. I'm from El Paso. Yeah. Whatever. A Colleen showing. 
That's what my <laughs> wife tells me when I get real ghetto. Yeah. She's uh, you know, the funny thing is, is she, she know she knew who I was, you know, but she didn't know the thug in me. <laughs> you know, you still you still got your thug ladder. So, you know, I I hung up the thug in my closet. I hung it up. You know, I put it on every now and then when the kids challenge me because they're getting taller. Yeah. You know, so I knock them down a peg. Uh, but you know, I don't know chest. how long we've been on. I don't know how long we've been on, but, uh, last one is service turning point. Right. So when you think about it, um, I know when I joined in 2006, I, I joined because I was escaping poverty. Uh, really, um, you know, I had nothing going for me. Um, and I knew I wanted to join, but I wanted to join because, I felt like that's all I had. Um, and that turned, right? Uh, so the more I serve, the the more gratitude I have for, you know, being able to serve my country. And I think in 2016 is when I kind of had a service turning point where it was like, why am I serving? Because I was at that brink where I could get out or I could reenlist, and I was asking myself, why am I serving? Um, and I was going through that hard time because I was in that unit still. And I had to really think, you know, what was keeping me going and what was the, uh, the benefits of staying in or getting out. And I had this realization as um, what I'm doing may not be seen by others, um, but I know deep down that, you know, I'm serving a greater purpose. And, and I, I really like everything that this nation stands for. And it was my little piece, my sacrifice that I could give to benefit the nation, you know. So it really turned for me. Um, and, and I think that realization really like helped me dedicate myself even more to, to the sacrifice that I could give in support of the greater good of this nation. Um, and, and that does sound so cliche. Did I say that right? Yes. I think it's crochet. Yeah. No. <laughs> crochet. I, so it sounds really crochet, you know, that I would, I would knit that in, uh, oh, nice. but it's, it's really true. It, it, it's really your, your career as you go further and further, your, your concerns really change. And it's, it's something that um, I like to call the buy-in factor um, because it's something that you really have to buy into because you're saying, you know, I no longer have ties to what I used to be, and now this is what I am. Um, and I think my buy-in was that service, that that really giving myself and providing the service and sacrifice for something that's greater than myself. And it, it like, literally, like, don't don't make fun of me, guys. But I'm a crier. Uh, it choked me up even saying it just a little bit because, like, I really take my service and my sacrifice serious. Like, because I know there's people who gave all, you know, and and that that is something that, like, you know, Lord forbid, I never have to do. But it's like I can honor them with my service. So service turning point for Holly. Oh, for me. Um... Mine is, I would say, similar, and not that um, that I'm big into, like, I'm sacrificing for the nation, but 
Um, my turning point was standing on the run the runway at Bagram in Afghanistan at a ramp ceremony. Um, because I knew why I was serving. Like I knew I was really getting away. That's why I joined to begin with as a 17 year old. You know, I joined in 2007, graduated high school in May, joined in August. Um, and so the Air Force is all I've known. And I was kind of staying in out of comfortability, really, if I'm being honest. You know, it's all I knew. I didn't know how to be a civilian anymore. Um, and then when I deployed and went to Afghanistan, um, Afghanistan, I added a D to that. Um, and we all went out to the, the runway and we were standing there and it was a ramp ceremony. Somebody had uh, died in combat and they were their body was being sent home. And I think in that moment when we were all standing there saluting the casket and it was getting loaded onto the MC-130, um, it drove it home for me while I was doing what I was doing, you know. And I always knew that was an option, but it never, it wasn't real to me, you know. It wasn't somebody I knew. I had never seen it. I had never experienced. And then in that moment, it was like, you know, that could be me. That could be my husband. That could be um, my kids one day. And so it was that, why are we doing this? Um, and it wasn't for myself or for sacrifice or for the nation, but it's for it's for everybody else who is doing it, right? We're all in this one team, one fight. And if if one of us aren't here, then somebody else has to take our place, right? And so it was kind of a, like you said, the buy-in to the, to the team. So I'm here to back up everybody else who is around me and making sure that I'm filling my role to make all this work. And obviously, like I could be gone tomorrow and somebody else would have to step in. But while I'm here, I can, I can give my, my best to fill in the spot that I'm taking right now. That's all I got. Well, we <laughs> Babes, what's oh, yours? Tell man. us your buy-in. My answer is going to be stupid again. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, I joined for uh, for the money. I, I heard they, they pay pretty well and give you free food. <laughs> um, free food. <laughs> No, yeah. So my my jo turning point. I don't think I have a specific turning point. It's more like a bunch of different scenarios or different points in time that have impacted me, and they're kind of reminders, right? Um, but joining the Air Force, I joined for the same, almost the same reasons. I had no other options. Um, I was going nowhere quick, so I joined. Um, I felt like I fit in immediately after I joined and went to basic training and I was like yes this is military this I'm part of something bigger I'm part of a team it felt like football again right um except that the games this time was going to be uh Iraq and Afghanistan um but uh I loved it and that's where my patriotism and that that service before self uh came into play was after I joined it wasn't before and like I wanted to serve it none of that um but the more I went through my career uh I would lose sight of it every once in a while, but it would come back to me. So like when I deployed, uh, it came back, like rushing back to me and it just, it set my mind right. And it reminded me of everything that the military is and, and everything that everybody serves for that purpose, you know, to protect the nation. Right. And I know it's silly, but I think everybody thinks it, and, but sometimes is embarrassed or afraid to say it. It's like, I'm in the military to serve my country. Like this, this is what I do. This is what I want to do. And yeah, it's a cliche answer, but 
uh, when you the get down to it. Answer. Yeah, it's the crochet answer. <laughs> but when you get down to it, that is why why we're doing it. We're doing it to serve our country because we feel we're a part of something bigger. And uh, I'm always reminded yeah. reminded that like when I deployed, uh, when I got my to my next duty station after my my initial one, and the ops that we were doing that time in, in support of of uh, the operations that were going in Iraq and Afghanistan. And then I went to go be an MTI where you're preparing all these new airmen. Um, you know, you're laying the foundation for that. And uh, it just it just keeps on hitting you over and over again. Yeah, you'll have some days and sometimes it's like, man, the Air Force just feels like a business. And um, But something as minor as playing Reveille at the end of the day, uh, that just, it snaps back to you like, oh shit, this is a military and this is why I'm here. And it's true, there's times where... Uh, 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 the national anthem or Reveille's playing and I'm saluting and I'm in uniform and you feel like you get choked up. You're like, fuck yes, like this is, and you start remembering everything that you've done and, and everything that's happened. And uh, you're like, yeah, I'm in the fucking military. And then at a point in time where I wanted to get out or I was thinking about getting out, I could not picture myself not putting on a uniform. And that was always weighing on me, weighing on me when I was going through this process of, of, of possibly getting out. And uh, ultimately, I stayed in. So it worked out. But uh, yeah, you just have these little moments in time, whether it's uh, Reveille at night or the national anthem at the end of a work day or any kind of ceremony that you're a part of or when somebody thanks you, uh, not like a civilian thank you for your service, but like uh, one of your coworkers or anybody, right? Or when you're just shooting the shit and then you're talking about everything that you've gone through. Hey, these were my stories in BMT or like these were my stories in, in, in this unit. Uh, just like what we were doing earlier. And it reminds us like, man, all this is just part of the military and you serving and you ultimately serving your country, man. I, I don't know if yeah, I, I, I rambled a lot, but yeah, it's like bits and pieces. That that answer was better. <laughs> you know? it was, it was, Thank you for your approval. No, I, it's it's funny though like i i don't i don't always like to admit it but when i admit it i feel good so yeah. you know like i there's times when when i hear the national anthem i get choked up yeah uh, it's funny uh this the fourth of july this year you know i got i got truly wasted you know off of truly's uh, which uh your wordplay you know, is they, sick today man <laughs> yeah and you know i don't i don't know who i called i called one of my friends and and i was crying like you don't know what it's like to sacrifice, you know, like, and like, I was like crying, like, and my wife had to call my buddy and, uh, you know, he had to talk me down, but I, you know, he's I like, like, I'm serving really too. <laughs> yeah. He was, he started telling me about stories in Afghanistan and, you know, it's like, uh, I think what chokes me up is, you know, I think about, you know, all the people that I'm with and, you know, like it, have you seen those like pictures on, on, on like facebook and there it's like a picture of a, a group of kids playing in under a street light and it says like there was one time where you guys all played for the last time yeah you know and didn't even know it like that crosses my mind my mind a lot yeah because like you in the military you grow these strong bonds and then you're off to something else but yet it's funny and we witnessed it right now you know like once you get back and you talk, it's like that bond never changed. Yeah. It's still there. And I think that's what really chokes me up. And I relay that to the national anthem with that bond. 
and and memories and and that's it gets me every time like yeah you know like sometimes i have to think about like my second grade teacher in order to not cry you know like (laughs) yeah it's it's definitely one of the things where there's a lot of and i'll be the one to say there's a lot of rules in the military that i get there's a reason for them but sometimes i just don't care like if somebody has their hands in their pockets like whatever you're just not stressed it's not gonna stress my day out that your hands are in your pockets right um if someone doesn't stop, if I see them run into a building when retreat plays or when uh, the national anthem's playing, you better believe as soon as this song is over, I'm about to hem your ass up because there's no reason for you to go sprinting across the parking lot to hop in your car so you don't have to stand here and salute. There, there's a reason we do it, and um, and the same way, like I don't, I don't necessarily get choked up like y'all, but like I do, like think about the reasons why we're doing this and. Um, it, man, it's one of my pet peeves when people don't respect the thing that, that we're ultimately fighting for, you know, because it's hard for me. And obviously I deployed after I had a family and stuff, but I'll sometimes think like, what if, what if Cruz had to deploy, you know, and he was going to be gone for six to nine months. And, uh, it's something that I just, it's almost you have to like put yourself into a different mind state to accept that because when it's me going, it's different than if it's like my husband or someone that I deeply care about going to do the same things. And so um, it's definitely a, a headspace thing that you have to get into when you get in those situations. Yeah. There's nothing that, that really gets under my skin more than, than that. Like, you know, for a, a uniformed member to, you know, dodge out of, having to salute the, the the colors you know or you know to act like it's that big of a hindrance on them to stand still for a minute and a half you know that that would really get under my skin you guys probably see that more at the schoolhouse than i see it you know uh but yeah that's 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 something that would really like upset me but i mean dang my six and eight year old know that if we're driving on base and the music plays we stop we put the windows down and we're we're silent during that time you know and it took some time for us to explain to them why we do it and in remembrance and we talked through it. But now they know like, oh, the music's playing. That's why we're being quiet. And they, I mean, they, I don't think they get the full capacity of it, but they understand why we're respecting that time. So yeah, it's, it's frustrating to me that a six-year-old can understand it, but like a grown person wearing the uniform doesn't respect it. Freaking yeah, taps, in, man. Every in time uniform. I played it, that, that gets me every time. Yeah, it's it's a tough one. Yeah, uh, I know. Uh, you know, my wife, uh, her grandfather was uh, KIA in Vietnam, and you know, like I always think about, you know, like her poor father. You know, grew up without a dad because you know he served this country. He sacrificed, you know, for this country, and it's like that's a generational service, you know, like, and it's a sacrifice that you know you shouldn't take for granted and if you could just stand still and pay honor or tribute for just a minute you know that's not too hard that's that's easy that's something you can do you know and i think that's why i take it so serious yeah um i don't know man some of that at least for the younger cats it's hard for them to tie it this is my opinion. I don't know how true this is or if anybody else feels like th- like that, but since they're not so directly tied to 9/11, it's hard for them to 
to see like what happened in Iraq and Afghanistan as personal, even though they're in the military, if that makes any sense. Um, yeah. So, so to them, the military is just like, it's just like a business. It's a job. It's, yeah. a, it's a job. And that's all it is up until it becomes personal and they're directly affected by like deployments or uh, a TDY in support of whatever operations or they get to a new unit or a job that's directly supporting ops. Uh, then it's, then it makes sense to them. Yeah. But, yeah. And sadly, some, some service members never have that service turn point, you know? Um, but I'm, I'm thankful and I'm glad that I have had that turning point. Um, and I think that's why I've had such longevity in my career. You know, like, uh, it, I definitely couldn't imagine doing something else. And sadly, my time's coming to an end. Um, and I don't know what I'm going to do after. But, you know what, man? You might uh, not be your, that close, uh, to be honest with you. Cause uh, I, being I, your hero <laughs> is something I will always be. That's right. Uh, no, but yeah. you're at you're at 15 years, man. Um, yeah. You know, if you go to the minimum, it's five more years. So yeah, yeah, a short time left. But it possibly could be 30. So you another 15 years. <sighs> possibly. You know, you, you guys hit on it the last time when you guys were talking about uh, Holly's 14 year anniversary. And it's not at that point. It's no longer going to be my decision. It's going to be the kids' decision. Yeah. You know how many more moves can we really do um, before they're tired of it? And and me going away and doing you know a year or two years away from them is not not an option. Um, if I am told like to go do a three sixty five, then that's because I was told, not because I volunteered for it. Um, so I couldn't just up and go somewhere, and I don't think I could uproot them as well. Uh, so maybe one more duty station after this, and and then you know we'll see where we're at. Yeah. Same. I don't know. We'll see when the time comes. And, I don't know. And so, when y'all yeah. are, are, are thirty year chiefs, remember this fucking conversation. So okay? you know, <laughs> there there are yeah. moments in time that really just like catch me off guard, where I'm not expecting to get the feelings that I get. And so, like, last night we went to cruise a senior NCO induction. And I got to be a wife for a change, right? I wasn't, like, a tech sergeant. I didn't have to wear a uniform. Like, I got to be fancy. And I was just Holly for the night. Um, but sitting at the table with the chiefs and the lieutenant colonels and um, just having conversations that you wouldn't get to be a part of if you weren't in that senior NCO tier, right? And obviously I'm not, but my husband is, and I was his wife for the evening. Um, so I just gotta like shoot the shit with the chiefs and like uh kind of see a different perspective and it it caught me off guard where it was like dang like maybe I want to be a chief and we talked about it a little bit today and it's because I've never had those aspirations you know I've never had aspirations to wear E9 um but last night it kind of caught me off guard a little bit where it was like I could see myself at this table like mentoring these new master sergeants um and so we'll see. We'll see where time takes us. But definitely um, it will it'll come down to being a family decision because it's just it's too hard on the kids sometimes, you know. And while they're loving it right now, they're not in high school. They're not in these deep-rooted relationships that they're going to get in as they get older. Mm -hmm. And so it'll definitely be a, a play, by the, play by the day. The funny thing is, is you'd make great first sergeant. Who me? Uh, you know everybody. Says, yeah, you. Everybody says that, and I had, I did have yeah. aspirations to be a first sergeant, um, but 
as I'm taking the phone more often, you know, and I've done it quite a few times um, where I take the phone and I, I do the first sergeant gig over the weekend. It's hard for me sometimes to get in these situations that are deeply personal to me because I'm a mom, I have kids, um, where where there's just some sketchy stuff going on. And to be able to remove myself from who I am at my core, um, to be the backbone for somebody who's going through a shitty situation, there are some situations I don't think I could be, I could be the person that they need me to be. Um, and you know, maybe time will change that. Maybe the more experience that I get taking the phone as an undershirt will change that. But, um, but we'll see, you know, maybe I'll do the shirt gig one day, but, um, it's going to take a lot of, a lot of mental preparation for me to be able to change who I am at my core and be able to be like, Hey, you know, I know you did this, but right now I have to be here for you because there are some times where I'm going to be like, Hey, you're just a dumbass, and you're gonna have to find somebody <laughs> else to help you. Um, so obviously I can't do that if I'm wearing the diamond. So we'll see what happens. I mean, you can, you just got to make sure that they have everything available to them yeah. while you tell them they're a dumbass. <laughs> Yeah, it's got to come from a place of love. Uh-uh, there know? will be no love in some like situations. That. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, I'm telling you this because I care about you, you know? You're like, a dumbass. <laughs> like when you're... Hey, funny thing, that, that makes me think, have you ever had to, you know, I'm, I'm sure... Well, I don't know. So I spank, you know, we spank in our house. It's rare, but, you know, I've spanked my son, and, and I'm, like, thinking, like, you know, now I get it. This hurts me than it more than it hurts you. <laughs> like, <laughs> it, it's that is so true. Like, you know, for them it's physical pain. For us, it, it's like emotional. It's like it's a tragedy that I have to put my hands on you. You know, like I don't like it. It makes me feel worse. You know, like, ah. Uh, yeah, that's it's so true. Such a parent thing to say. It's so crochet. <laughs> it's so crochet. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I know exactly what you mean, man. Uh, yeah, our kids, they've been spanked before, but rarely. Uh, and for that reason. Yeah, it's uh, not it's not our go-to no. punishment by any yeah. means. Like it takes it takes a lot like you are endangering yourself to the point that no matter what I say, are you going to change your action? So I'm going to show you like mm-hmm. this, this can be a thing. Um, but man, we haven't spanked the kids in years, yeah, <laughs> years. It, they're, been forever. they're big yeah. now. I mean, that'd be like you spanking your oldest son, you know, he'd be like, what the hell are you yeah. doing? Dad? <laughs> <laughs> he'd look down yeah, at him and be like, Hey, back off dad. <laughs> He's solid. I, I know it's been a while since y'all seen him, but Zayden, he's a solid boy. I'm like, man, you know, like, he he needs to start hitting the weights. Like, <laughs> he's going to be jacked like his old man. <laughs> <laughs> with, with those ripped abs? <laughs> yeah. You know, I got the riblets, too, going on. I don't know if you knew that. Oh, I did it, man. Take off your shirt. Yeah, I'm like 2% body fat. <laughs> In my mind. <laughs> all right, all right. Yeah, that muscle's yeah. under there somewhere. Somewhere. Underneath all that happiness, I mean fat. <laughs> I can see you have a good marriage. <laughs> oh, I think you froze. Yeah, um, you know, it's happiness. Oh, there you are. You know? Yeah. Oh, can you hear me? Yeah, yeah, you yeah, froze for a, a second. message. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, sorry. No, you're good. Maybe that's a good place to end it. Yeah, we're good, man. Uh, let's see. 
We're about an hour and a half into this thing. So we've been doing shorter podcasts, but that's just because it was just us two. Uh, but with guests, we tend to go a little bit longer. Hi-o. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, this, this this was fun. Um, you know, next time we won't be so serious and we'll have a drink. Uh, and maybe we can, you know, see the funny side. <laughs> There's always a funny side. Hey, we had quite a few laughs on here uh, this time around. We did. Um, see, I... I'm just going to be honest. I don't think it was as good as the one with Josh. <laughs> oh, shit. Why not, man? You got to listen back to it. When you listen yeah. back, it'll be better. Two On 2x speed. Yeah. Yeah, don't listen to don't us know. on slow, slow speed. <laughs> Uh-oh. Just just you, tell you, me you lie and tell me I'm better. To you're better. You're my hero. Yeah. God, I love you. <laughs> <sighs> yeah. So whenever uh, Josh listens to it, y'all y'all can have at it, argue with each other. Yeah, I still... I, I want to see his vines. Um, that I need to go way, back and you know, he's not to that podcast. It was a good one. Uh, like, you know, I loved that book alone at dawn, and I had no idea that he even had you know a part in in helping award Chappie with that medal. You know, uh, which he deserved. You know, I had no idea, yeah. and it's something like, you know it's not like he's going to be like, Hey, you know, uh, I had a, you know, uh, nobody would do that, but it's like, you know, that's, no, that's, that's, that's exactly what he did. No, no, I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, dude, I didn't know. I, I worked for him for a solid year and a half before I found out that he was a part of that. And, uh, basically it was like a, a motivator for one of the classes, uh, and that I was sitting in on, and he told a story, and I was like, motherfucker, like, you've been holding out on us. And uh, and oddly enough, I had just decide, decided to start the podcast. So that's why he was the mm. first guest. So I was, like, going back and forth, like, man, should I ask him? Should I ask him? Like, is he going to laugh at me? And then I was talking to Holly about it, and she's like, just fucking ask him. And I was like, all right, like, uh, what could it hurt, right? And he was fucking cool about it when I asked him. He's like, fuck yeah, man, let's do it. I'll, I'll get on there, and, and, uh, and, and we'll shoot the shit. And so we got started off on the right foot, man. He, he got us uh, started right, uh, especially with that story. And then that's like the shit I wanted to capture. So it was perfect yeah, it, and impressive. Yeah, that that was a, a great show. Uh, you know, he's so eloquent, too. You know, you know, I'm going to talk him up because he's my hero. And, you know, I'm your hero. So, you know, like, uh, yeah. And I'm, I, and I'm, I'm his hero. I, it's I like actually, a perfect triangle that it's it's like a triangle you know there's three yeah, three yeah. three sides yeah, three, I'm, I'm, three points yep <laughs> I'm, I'm, glad that, uh, <laughs> I'm glad i got the chance to try to one-up him but i i don't think i succeeded but i always uh knock myself down a peg you know but i'll go and i'll i'll wash my clothes on my abs and and make myself make myself feel better that makes you win by default man yeah yeah. yeah yeah all yeah. right well we do can wrap can. it up we'll, we'll do it again man uh it definitely you know yeah and, and we'll uh we'll go on the the lighter side on the next one yeah i'll have a drink on that one hell yeah uh, i'll have one with you like old times you <laughs> can play queef i mean quiff. <laughs> yeah. and then uh we'll use more <laughs> more words to make us seem like intellectuals like crochet and and yeah i'll and, write them down and bureaucracy right I think this is what camaraderie it is. Yeah. And, and camaraderie <laughs> yeah 
yeah. camaraderie and bureaucracy. <laughs> hey, before you leave, real quick, what's the little bug called that gets in your house when you what's, live in the projects? The little bugs that get in your house in the projects? Yep. The roaches? Yeah, but what's the whole name? What's the proper name? What's the like, cockroach? Say, <laughs> see, he does it too. <laughs> see? I'm not the only one. Now go Google that and see what the actual word really is. It's supposed to be cockroach. There's no A in the middle. It's a cockroach. But all y'all say it. It's a fucking cockroach. Look, it doesn't matter. It, it's disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> Have you what? ever had one of those bad boys walk across you? Yes, all the time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, and there's still no A in the middle of the word. Just throwing it. it out there. Yeah. Uh, I, uh, I, that's disgusting. The one that gets me the most, the one memory I have of fucking cockroaches, uh, I got up in the middle of the night to get some water, and it was like dark. Uh, I poured myself a drink, and as soon as I started drinking, something fell on my chest, and it was a cockroach, oh. and it was crawling all over my body. Oh. So aside from it getting on my body and just crawling on my body, I don't know if it came from the fucking cup <laughs> that I was drinking out of. Well, like that. So, oh my gosh. <laughs> All right, enough on cockroaches. We'll end it here. We keep on extending it. Uh, but, dude, it was fucking fun as shit to, to see and talk to you again and uh, just reminisce a little bit and talk about all the good shit that you've accomplished and that, that we've gotten through. Uh, you're, yeah. you're still 5'5 five, five and sexy. Oh man, I love you. Hey, it, it was it was truly an honor, and uh, likewise, it was great catching up with you guys. Yeah, same here, man. Um, all right, we're gonna end up. Don't hang up, man. Um, I'll properly say goodbye to you, bef- but we'll end this podcast first. All right, everybody, thanks for listening. Um, if you're enjoying the podcast, head over to Apple Podcasts. Go all the way to the bottom, hit that fifth star, give us a five star review. Help the podcast continue to grow. Uh, pass it out to all your homies, like uh, the mixtape that's super fire. Right. All right. Uh, we'll see y'all, babes. Peace out, Cub Scouts. Peace out, Cub Scout. We'll see y'all next week. Later. <laughs>